to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. We've been in this Bible study series answering tough questions. And one of the questions that we were dealing with, or have been dealing with, my goal was, it started out, it was going to be a one study, one night study. And that is, are there errors in the Bible? And as we began to dig into it, there's so many different areas in which people claim there are errors in the Bible, and we wanted to handle it adequately. It's turned into what's going to be a four-part mini-series inside the Answering Tough Questions Bible Study Series. We've already covered two of them. Um, the first part was, uh, are there errors in content? In other words, were the right books included in the Bible? Because there are other books from throughout biblical history that could have been included, but we have what we have, the 39 in the Old Testament, the 27 in the New Testament. And um, we spent time talking about that several weeks ago, and we can see where God's hand was at work so that the 66 books we have in our Bible are the books that God wanted to be in there because those are the ones that are inspired and the others are not. And if you missed that, you can listen to it online. The second uh, lesson that we had in that is how can we be sure the manuscripts were copied accurately? Um, Two of the biggest things in in this area that people usually bring up is, well, you know what, even if God did inspire the Bible when they originally written, it's been thousands of years, and there's no way we can know that the we have what God had written down because it's been corrupted through the years because of copying this and that and the other mistakes made and all that. And we dug deeply into that last week and made it very, very clear that we can have full assurance that the Bible that we have in front of us is tremendously accurate to what was originally written down when God inspired the people to write that, okay? And um, our next lesson, which will be in two weeks, we're going to be talking about um, uh, does the Bible contradict itself? That's the second thing that people often bring up. Well, the Bible's full of contradictions. It says this here, and then it says something someplace else. It's a total contradiction, and um, as I've mentioned before, if you ask people, well, can you name one of them? Most people can't. But there are a number of things that look like contradictions in the Bible, but there are very adequate explanations of why it looks that way. But we're going to dig into that the next time we get together. So tonight, we're dealing with the third part of this. Okay, Are there errors in the Bible? Part three. And tonight we're going to be talking about the question, and I forgot to put it on your note sheet. Sorry about that, but is this, um, is the Bible accurate compared to science, archaeology, and history? Science, archaeology, and history. Before we do that, though, I just want to read two scriptures. I've got the references on your note sheet. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So these topics are very important. 
You know, Scripture itself says, and I heard a couple of amens, that God's word is God's word, and it'll stand true forever, and we can base our lives on it. But yet, if the Bible is full of errors, how can we say that? So it's important that we understand and have that confidence that the Bible is not full of errors. So again, tonight we're going to talk about errors and facts. Is the Bible accurate compared to science, archaeology, and history? And we're going to talk about science first, and then we're going to deal with archaeology and history together because they basically go together. What we know about history is because of archaeology, and you know it's, they're just very much tied together. But first of all, let me ask, why is this important? There are some people who says it doesn't really matter whether the Bible is accurate with scientific stuff or with um, history or archaeology, because the Bible is a spiritual book. The Bible deals with spiritual issues. The Bible deals with our relationship with God, which really isn't all that tied that much to science and archaeology. You know, it's it's meant to portray spiritual truths. Um, not truths about this natural world and about history and all that kind of stuff. So it really doesn't matter, you know, if it's not quite exactly right. Is that so? Why would it be important that the Bible can be trusted in the areas of science and archaeology and history? Or that there not be any conflict between the Bible and what it teaches and says with science, archaeology, and history? Why is that important? Mm-hmm. Okay, so why, how does that answer the question, why is it important that the Bible is accurate with its comments about science, history, and archaeology? I didn't make the connection that you're making. Yeah. What, what, we, what we're doing, we're true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we claim that what God has inspired to be written down is based on truth. And so it all should be true. Yes, what, is, what are we going to say? Okay, so if I could paraphrase and reiterate. No, no, that's good. I just, I just can't repeat everything you said for the recording. Okay, you know, even though the Bible is a spiritual book talking about spiritual things, it does talk about everything else too. And everything else gives support to the spiritual truths. If we can't trust the stuff the Bible says about the foundation of the spiritual truths, how can we trust the spiritual truths, right? Yes, Vida. The Bible is the revelation of God himself, not just his truth. And if we can't trust what it says, yeah, I won't finish. We can't trust God. Did you have your hand up, Norris? We got lots of hands. We can't spend all night on this one question. This is just supposed to be the introduction thing to get us thinking. So go ahead, Norris. Yes. Okay, at the risk of frustrating the rest of you that had your hands up, we need to move on. <laughs> okay. So let me just put it this way, and this kind of summarizes everything that's been said. If we can't trust the Bible with what it says about everything, how do we know we can trust what it says about anything, especially spiritual things? Okay, all of you said things that go along with that. The Bible is God's truth about spiritual things, but it involves history, and it involves his character, it involves everything else, and if... There are errors in there about science or about archaeology or about history. Then how do we know there aren't errors about God himself? 
Okay, so we've got to be able to trust it. So first of all, uh, we're going to talk about the Bible and science, and then after we talk about that, we'll deal with the Bible and archaeology and history. Okay, so the Bible and science. The thing that's really interesting is that if you study history and the history of science, most of the scholars who laid the foundations of modern science were believers, Christians of strong, I mean, uh, uh, believers of strong, people of strong Christian faith. You know, Isaac Newton, and, and I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. Um, obviously, not all of them. There's a lot of atheists that are out there that are very good scientists in various fields, but especially at the beginning, because it was people that were believers that wanted to explore how God created the earth, and that God created the earth with natural laws that He has. The full freedom to break and change whenever he wants, you know, that's what miracles are, is when things happen not according to natural law, but that God created the world in a natural order. And so to investigate how he created that and how that can be put to use and how that can solve problems, you know, it was mainly believers that did that, okay? Not all, but mainly. And probably something that we may not realize because a lot of them may not be very vocal. There are a lot of good, strong Christians that are scientists today in every field. I mean, you hear a lot of outspoken people in various fields of science, especially in areas where they try to say, well, the Bible isn't true. You know, it contradicts what we know about in science. There's a ton of scientists that are believers that have other viewpoints, but you don't hear about them near as much, okay? Uh, maybe they don't speak up enough. Maybe they try to and they're silenced, you know, or the word doesn't get out there. Because as you know, the various media outlets and stuff that's out there and even in our educational system, only certain viewpoints are promoted and pushed and others are held back. There are a lot of great scientists that are believers in the fields of physics and medics, every area of science. Okay. Did you want to say something, Tim? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, scientists have limited knowledge. They're still exploring and learning new things. I'm going to get to this a little bit later on, but you're getting a little ahead there, but that's good. And that is there are times that scientists knew that they knew that they knew certain things were true, and now they find out that they're wrong. <laughs> so anyway, so what are some examples that are often given of a place where the Bible and science conflict? Okay, where the Bible teaches something that the science has proved is not true. Just a couple of quick examples. Creation. All right, yeah, science, science, many scientists, we don't want to just say science and scientists because, again, they're Christian scientists who don't go with the party line or whatever, but there are many that would say science has proven that this world was not created, okay? You get the big bang thing and all that kind of stuff. Chris, is that what you're going to say? You put your hand down. Okay, evolution, how life developed on this planet which included human beings. You know, it started something, somehow created a one-cell organism that multiplied, multiplied, and we ended up being here, you know? Okay, so the idea of evolution. Any other thoughts about areas where supposedly science conflicts with uh, uh, the Bible? Veressa. Huh? The flood. Yeah, a worldwide flood. People say there's no, there's no evidence of a worldwide flood. Okay, whereas the Bible teaches there was a worldwide flood. So how do we deal with that? Another one that's a real big one is the age of the earth or the age of the universe. And so we're going to deal with these a little bit more as we get into this, okay? But let me give you um, a couple of things here that will help us with this idea of 
conflicts between science and the Bible, okay? Letter A on your note sheet is this. Some conflicts between the Bible and science are issues of faith, okay? There are some things that you will never convince, no matter what you do or say, a scientist who is against the idea of there being a God that there can be reconciliation between the Bible and science. And basically, it's areas of miracles, okay? The resurrection, that Jesus turned water into wine, that he walked on water. Anything that would be obviously outside the natural order or the way that God created the world to work on a natural basis, Okay, that's what a miracle is, is when God chooses to do something that basically breaks the laws that he put in place, and he's allowed to do that, okay? Um, so, uh, the point is, is that on your note sheet, the first bullet point, the miraculous is impossible if there is no God, okay? The miraculous is impossible if there is no God, but the second one is the miraculous is possible if the God of the Bible exists, and so those kind of things, miracles, you can, you can get all kinds of evidence together, you know, to try to prove and all that kind of thing. And that's why, um, we've mentioned this before, you know, the people can honestly say, well, the, the resurrection has never been totally proven scientifically. But the opposite is true, too. The resurrection has never been disproven scientifically. And there is tremendous evidence that supports the idea that Jesus really did rise from the grave. In fact, that goes back to what I think Vita said. The movie The Case for Christ is phenomenal about that. The story of Lee Strobel, who was an atheistic journalist who set out to prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead because his wife became a Christian and he got really upset. And in the process, he became utterly convinced that Jesus did rise from the grave. Okay, But those are issues of faith. Yes, Vita. Yeah, that is true. There are some, or maybe even many, not all, who claim that there is no God, but if they need something, they're going to give it a shot. <laughs> they're going to give it a shot. How's that old saying, there's no atheists in foxholes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is that the only real proof to miracles is a miracle that's been verified. But to be honest with you, for the hardened skeptic, that's no proof because they'll come up with some reason why it happened without God being in it. I've heard stories of, of doctors, you know, that don't believe in God, and God does a miracle. And the doctor will say, we don't know why it happened. We don't know why. Well, it was God. No, I, I can't say it was God. We just don't know why. You know, they, like I said, it, that's why it's an issue of faith. Some things are an issue of faith. But that's just miracles. There are other things, though, that people would say are conflicts between the Bible and science, but it's not an issue of a miracle. It's just what do you believe is true. Okay, and that's the number or letter B on your note sheet there. Many conflicts between the Bible and science have to do the difference between facts and theories. Many conflicts between the Bible and science have to do with the difference between facts and theories. Do you all know what the difference is between a fact and a theory? If you don't, you probably don't want to admit it. But what did you say, Carl? Yeah. So what is the difference between a fact and a theory? What is a fact? 
something that is proven to be true. Okay? It is basically truth. Something that actually exists. Reality. Truth. That is what the definition of a fact is. What is a theory? No, don't give me an example of a theory, which is what Chris did. He said evolution. Evolution is a theory. It's called the theory of evolution. But what actually is a theory? It's a premise is part of it. Yeah. What did you say, Verissa? It's an idea. Okay. In general, it is an idea, but lots of things are ideas. So what, what is a theory? What kind of an idea is a theory? Okay, so let me rephrase what you said. You said it right. And that is taking facts that are related somehow, and the theory is how are they related, okay? But you can't prove it, all right? A theory, until it is proven, is just a theory. That's kind of duh, all right? If a theory can be proven, then it becomes a fact, but otherwise, you just have a bunch of facts that seem to be related. You say, well, how are they related? Okay, well, I've got a theory of how they're related. Okay? Now, you know, that's how medicine is developed. People have these symptoms. I don't know what that is. Well, as I study it, I think I have an idea. I think that this symptom combined with that symptom, this symptom is being caused because of this part of the body doing this. But we don't know that for sure. So they do testing and all that kind of stuff. And then they discover, oh, yes, it was. So it becomes a fact. Or they don't know, or they discover, no, that's not it. Then it's, it was a theory, but it was a wrong theory, okay? So what do I mean when I say that many conflicts between the Bible and science have to do with the difference between facts and theories, okay? We have scientific facts. We have biblical facts. We have scientific Theories that are based on facts, but they're not facts. They're just theories. They're just, we think that this is true based on these facts. But we do the same thing with the Bible. We have biblical theories. There are facts that are in the Bible, and based on those facts, we think that this is probably what happened, but we don't know 100% for sure. Okay? Now, that provides the basis for these next four bullet points, okay? And we're going to explain as we go through. The first one is this. Scientific theories may conflict with biblical facts. Scientific theories may conflict with biblical facts. Here's where the idea of evolution would come in. All right? The Bible states as a fact that God created mankind fully formed. Adam and Eve. Okay? And they were real people. Whereas the scientific theory is evolution, that life developed in this cosmic ooze. Well, there was a big bang first. Then there's this cosmic ooze with no life, and then there was a one-cell thing. Something happened, one cell, and then it developed into higher forms of life up through the plant realm, into the animal realm, and, and then all the way up to human beings, Okay. But evolution is not a fact, it is a theory. It is scientists taking the facts that they think that they see and saying, how did the world come into existence? And they leave God out of it. And I'll be honest with you, that's really, in my opinion, what caused the rise of evolution was how can we explain all this stuff without having to say there's a God? Okay. But evolution is not a fact, it's a theory. So... Scientific theories may conflict with 
biblical facts. Another area, which is a good example of what Tim said earlier, where science said one thing and then discovered they were wrong, okay? The Bible says that God created everything at a particular point in time. For a long time, the scientific theory was that the universe was eternal, which <laughs> I don't understand how you can believe something's eternal, but you don't believe in eternal God. But anyway, that's they just believe that. But now most scientists would agree, okay, we were wrong about that. The universe is not eternal. All right, but that was a great example of a scientific theory that many people believed, most do not any longer, that the Bible says, no, this world, this universe came into being at a specific point in time. And now scientists look back and say, that's right, it did come into being. Of course, it didn't happen the way the Bible said, but... Although it's very, very interesting that when you read a description of the Big Bang, it kind of describes what God did at the beginning. It's just that the Bible says that God is the one that put it into motion. He just spoke and there it was, a big, there it is. You know, but the scientist says, yeah, that's what happened, but God didn't do it because there's no God. All right. So that's an exa- so a couple of examples of scientific theories that can conflict with Bible facts. All right. But... Scientific facts, second bullet point, scientific facts may conflict with biblical theories. There was a biblical theory that some people still hold to. Okay, good Christian people still hold to. That scientific fact seems to conflict with. And that is that our earth and our universe has the appearance of great age. Okay? You hear a lot of scientists talking about how the earth is billions and billions of years old, the universe and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of different ways that scientifically speaking, they can use facts to prove that. The fact that we have light from other universes and galaxies and it takes a certain amount of time to get here, for that light to get here, the stars they came from would have had to have been in existence for billions of years. But there's a scientific theory that the earth and the universe are only about seven, 8,000 years old. So where did that theory come from? Does the Bible say that? No. Where that theory came from was scholars and monks and all that kind of stuff hundreds of years ago looked at the Bible and they looked at the, um, you know, the genealogies and all that kind of stuff and they added up the years. It says Adam lived so-and-so number of years and then they had a son and blah, 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 blah. And they added it all up and they say when you add it all up, then basically everything started about 4,000 B.C., and then Jesus showed up at, you know, B.C. A.D., and now we're 2,000 years on that. So the earth is only about 6,000, 7,000 years old. But that's not something the Bible says. That is a theory. Well, that theory, and now as people have done more studying of the Bible, it's just, it's just full of holes, okay? And the fact is that when you have genealogists in the Bible, they don't always list every single person. A lot of times they just list the most important people. You may have a genealogy with 20 names in it, and there could be 20, 30 names that were skipped. They may have gone from grandfather to grandson and skipped the father. You know, that kind of thing. All right? So, now that is not to say that God didn't create the world and that Adam and Eve didn't really exist. They did. But it could have been a whole lot farther back. Not only that, but when you read Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning, you know, you got the earth and it was chaotic and all that kind of stuff. It could have existed in that state for so long before God decided, okay, let's get these things started. Okay, the universe and the stars we say could be big. They could have existed for a long time before God started everything on earth. So that's an example of what I'm saying. That, you know, you can have a biblical theory, 
that's not supported by scientific fact. But that doesn't mean that there are any facts in the Bible that are wrong. It's just theories that people have drawn from things that they see in the Bible. All right? And that's the biggest example um, that I can think of for scientific facts. Now, there is one other possibility, and I recognize that it is a possibility. There are those who say that you know, God really did create everything anywhere between six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand years ago. But when he created it, he created it as if it had already been in existence. In other words, that it has the look of being old, and there's a number of things that are happening that would make it seem like it was old, but God created it that way. In other words, when God created it, he created the light already on its way from stars. You see what I'm saying? So that's a possibility too. So I'm not saying that that couldn't be possible. All I'm saying is that there are different things that aren't really biblical facts. They are theories drawn from things the Bible say that would seem to contradict things that we know to be facts uh, as we look at the world in a scientific way. Okay? Uh, Tim, you had your hand up first. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot that has changed, especially in the scientific realm, based on new knowledge. But there's also things that have been changed about what people think about the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about changing truth. I'm talking about our understanding of what's written in the Bible. Okay? Yeah, Carlton. Yeah, to believe some of the things that scientists put up require just as much faith Almost. as it takes. To, yeah, I think it takes a whole lot more faith to believe in evolution than it does to, take to believe in God. To think that something came from nothing, and I know an illustration I've heard many times, my wife loves to use it, is, you know, somebody having a really finely created uh, watch, not electronic, but all the workings and stuff, and, and uh, you know, saying, well, yeah, I just, I just, you know, had a bunch of stuff on my top of my dresser one night, you know, a bunch of little pieces and stuff, I got up in the morning and here's this watch, you know, it's like, there's no way. Whereas the way the world is in life is so much more complex than a wristwatch. But we'd never believe a wristwatch just kind of assembled itself overnight. But yet there are many, many people that believe this whole world kind of came into existence in some chaotic way. Yes, Vita? You can ask him when you get to heaven. The Bible says that God has existed eternally, which is something that we... In our finite minds cannot totally understand, but uh, I don't even know if we'll understand it when we get to heaven. But So the third bullet point here is scientific theories may conflict with biblical theories. Okay? In other words, theories that are drawn from scientific facts may conflict from biblical theories uh, that are drawn from biblical facts. What's really interesting is there are some places where both have been wrong. Not that the Bible has been wrong, but theories about what the Bible said has been wrong. Uh, you may or may not be aware of this, but for a long time, not any time recently, although there, I heard there is a society that still believes this, but um, for a long time, scientists out there in the world believed the earth was flat. You know, you could fall off the edge. The maps even showed that and all that kind of stuff. Not all of them, okay? And there are those who believed in the Bible, and because of some of the things that the Bible said in a poetic or figurative way, they thought the Bible taught that the earth was flat. The Bible does not teach the earth is flat, but there are some verses that are poetic that could make it sound that way. So that would be a biblical theory, okay, and a scientific theory. Both of them were wrong. It's really interesting, though, that there are places in the Bible where it talks about the, the circle of the earth, that God hangs the earth on nothing, you know, the one that where it says that God hangs the earth on nothing is either in Isaiah or Job. And at the same time in world's history, 
the, mo- the, the most popular pagan view of the world was that it was on the back of this big turtle. Okay, when, when God's word said it was God hung it on nothing, that the, the prevalent view of the scientists of the world was that the world, the, the world rested on the back of this big turtle because it was flat and it was on the back of this big turtle. And the big turtle was standing on, some, uh, like, I think a couple elephants. And anyway, so, you know, the Bible has some, has some really neat things. Uh, another thing is uh, for a long time, both science and people who believed in the Bible because of things that were said, again, in a poetic way, believed that the sun revolved around the earth. Although one of the first people that stood up and said, no, the earth revolves around the sun, was a Christian. And he got persecuted through it by Fort by the church. All right? Um, another one is that, uh, you know, the earth is square because it talks about the four corners of the earth, you know? But that's just a figure of speech. In fact, I heard a story one time about this, this scientist was talking to this evangelist. says, I can't believe in the Bible because it talks about the four corners of the earth. Everybody knows there's no four corners of the earth. And the evangelist said, it's just a figure of speech. He says, no, the Bible says there's four corners of the earth. And so he was on a flight, and he was read, looking through a magazine, and it said, fly such and such airlines. We fly to the four corners of the earth. He ripped the page out and mailed it to his friend saying, see, we even use the phrase today. It's just a, a symbolic phrase. But anyway, scientific theories may conflict with biblical theories. The fourth thing is what's important, okay? But scientific facts do not conflict with biblical Facts. Okay? When it comes down to it, if you just facts and facts, you will not be able to find any place when something that we know to be a fact from the Bible, it's not just a theory, it's not just, well, this is my understanding, but a fact where there are actual scientific facts that contradict that. There may be scientific theories like evolution, but no facts. Okay? In fact, there's many areas of agreement. Both the Bible and scientists say that this world and universe began with some kind of cataclysmic beginning. All right? And not only that, but everything is winding down. It's called entropy. It's also called the second law of thermodynamics. It means that everything is deteriorating, that there will be an end. All right? Science and the Bible both teach that. There's a lot of areas where they agree, and it's areas where there are facts, biblical facts, scientific facts. Hmm? And we know how to think because the Bible tells us. The thing is, is that between now and when we all get to heaven, there will continue to be this tension between science and the Bible. But I think when we get down there, we will see more and more and more. When we get to the end, we'll see, okay, true scientific fact totally lines up with biblical fact. We can trust what God's word says. All right, we've got to move on to the second part here. I really don't want to make this another whole lesson, so we're going to move through this in a little bit quicker. Uh, the Bible and archaeology and history, all right? And uh, because we're running out of time, I'm just going to kind of zip through this, all right? Archaeology, what is the archaeology? Uh, the definition of archaeology is the systematic study of the material remains of human behavior in the past. In other words, archaeologists... Study stuff from the past. One person said, archaeology basically is studying other people's garbage. And there's a lot of truth to that, all right? You know, some of the, some of the most interesting things that have been discovered about history, whether you talk about biblical archaeology or any, is because you study what was thrown away. You know, what you find in garbage heaps and in old, old uh, I'm sorry, in, in ancient civilizations. If you have a city or a town, 
and it gets destroyed. You didn't have bulldozers to move it. You just flatten everything down and build on top of it. Huh? Yeah, yeah, an artifact. But anyway, there are lots and lots of places, um, especially over in the Middle East, but in other places where you've got this building. It looks like a big hill. And if you really dig into it, you find out it really isn't a hill. It's just a place where they've had a, a town or a city for maybe even millennium. And you'd have one city, and it was destroyed for whatever reason. It was abandoned. It collapsed. They built another one on top of it, on top of it, on top of it, on top of it, on top of it. Okay. Uh, Archaeology. I'm sorry, what? Jericho is one of the oldest continuously inhabited places on the face of the earth. And so Jericho is like that. Yeah. Archaeology can include the study of documents, pottery, especially broken pottery. In fact, pottery is one of the best ways they have of dating things because there are certain things about pottery that makes it very easy to date. Okay, Coins, inscriptions, buildings, remains of buildings, um, some buildings that are really recognizable as archaeologists uh, dig into them, especially from around the Greek and Roman time, are theaters, stadiums, temples. Um, it involves the study of tombs, bones, figurines, glass, furniture, remnants of clothing, statues, mosaics, tiles, all of that. So basically, archaeologists go someplace and dig into things and see what they can find and try to reconstruct what history tells us and what everyday was life, everyday life was like based on the things that they can find. Things that were garbage, the things that were lost, things that were abandoned, um, things that have collapsed. Um, the thing that we have to realize is that, you know, people talk like archaeology has been around forever and we've learned so much. Archaeology is relatively new. You know, real scientific archaeology is only a couple hundred years old. When you talk about thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history, okay? And um, through the last couple hundred years, archaeology has become much and much, much, much more of a refined science. But at the beginning, it wasn't that way. In fact, at the beginning, it was mainly treasure hunters, they went to find stuff, and they destroyed a lot in the process. And modern-day archaeologists have to kind of sift through that, you know, and figure out what was destroyed and, and separate that from what was really there and originally there and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's so many archaeological sites where they've discovered so much, but they've only just literally scratched the surface. I mean, so much archaeological stuff has been done in a city like Rome and in Jerusalem and things like that, but the archaeologists say, well, we're just beginning, just just the beginning. There's so much that we don't even know yet, okay? Um, there's a lot of benefits to biblical archaeology. Um, what we've been talking about all along is that it can confirm the truth of God's word, all right? Um, but it also gives us insight into biblical history, geography, the way culture was, and even how we can understand God's word, okay, theology. Let me give you one example. There's tons of examples. Have you ever been read, reading through the Old Testament and there's two places in Exodus where it'll be going along with the story or God's laws. And all of a sudden it say, and you are never to boil a kid in its own mother's milk. Have you heard that quote? It's twice in Exodus. It's like, what is that doing in there? What does boiling... By the way, it's not talking about a human kid. It's talking about a goat. <laughs> just, just clarify, okay? Uh, why in the world... And why does it say it twice? This whole thing about don't boil a goat kid... Okay, in its mother's milk, archaeology has discovered by the study of cultures and stuff through archaeology that that was a very significant aspect of heathen idol worship. 
Knowing that, it's like, no wonder God put that in there. It's, it was something that is, is, is God's people would have been tempted to go, go start worshiping other idols that they might begin to do. It's like, don't do that. You know, today, without knowing, it's like, why in the world is that in the Bible? There's so many examples that are like that, that archaeology has, archaeology has given us greater understanding of things that are in the Bible. It's like, well, why is that in there, and what does that really mean, and that kind of thing, okay? So what are some things that prove that the Bible is accurate in the areas of archaeology and history? And I'm going to give these to you real quick, okay, because we need to wrap this up. Letter A, the Bible has often been used to discover archaeological sites. In fact, what's really interesting is in Palestine, which is the whole area of Israel where God's people was settled and stuff, in that area, most of the archaeology that was done, especially in the beginning, was done by biblical scholars. I'm trying to go too fast. By biblical scholars. They said, hey, the Bible mentions this. Let's go find it. You know? So the Bible has often been used to discover archaeological sites. There are many times that archaeologists saw something in the Bible and says, let's go try to find that place. And they found it. All right. Letter B. Archaeology has many times confirmed the Bible's accuracy. There have been a lot of theories. Again, we're talking about um, theories about history and that kind of stuff, not uh, the scientific theories we talked about earlier. But there have been many theories that have been put out there about, well, you know, the stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those weren't real people. Um, they're just kind of mythological figures that were made up to kind of give support to the Hebrew people's uh, formation and all that kind of stuff because there's so many things in that story that weren't true of the culture back then. They really believe that to be true. Now they've done more, you know, the archaeologists have found out, you know what, the facts and the stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and stuff, that's the way the culture was back then. Okay? Um, there are so many things that people that were critical of the Bible had put out like what the Canaanites were like, you know, and like what the culture was like. Well, it wasn't really like that. And then now that they've done more archaeology, they said, yeah, it really was like that. You know, people say, well, that didn't happen until hundreds of years after when the Bible said uh, one of them was the use of camels. Okay, well, they didn't use camels in that part of the world at that time in history. And then they discovered, oh, yeah, they did. So archaeology has many times confirmed the Bible's Accuracy. Um, another great example. You know, we're used to the idea of the crucifixion. It says that Jesus was nailed to the cross. Not all crucifixion victims were nailed. They were sometimes tied to the cross. In fact, for a long time, they never found any evidence that people were nailed to the cross. The Bible said Jesus was nailed to the cross, but they had absolutely no evidence that anybody had ever been nailed to the cross. And people say, nah, that was just a, something that was made up. And then archaeologists discovered a heel bone of somebody who'd been crucified and the nail was stuck in the bone so bad they couldn't get it back out. The reason they could never find any evidence that people were nailed to the cross is because they reused the nails. But they found one that got stuck. And it's like, oh, people really were nailed to the cross. Okay? I mean, just things like that. The Gospel of John is full of places um, that have been verified by archaeology. All right, I gotta, I gotta hurry this up. Letter C. Some finds that seemed to contradict the Bible were later found to confirm it. Long time, people said, you know, when you dig up where Jericho is, there is no sign that it collapsed like uh, Joshua said and all that kind of stuff. But then they dig, dug some more and looked at the evidence again and said, oh, wait a minute. Yes, there is. <laughs> That's just one example. Letter D. Non-biblical history has many times confirmed the biblical record. In other words, we know a lot about Bible history from the Bible. 
But there are people that wrote about history outside of the Bible or were involved in, in archaeology or whatever. Um, one of the greatest sources we have for biblical history is a guy by the name of Josephus. You may have heard of him. He was actually a Jewish priest who was alive at the time the, jo- the Romans came to conquer Jerusalem in 70 A.D., and he saw that they were going to lose, so he defected to the Roman army. The Roman army took him in, and he became um, a secretary to the Roman general, Vespasian. And he wrote two big volumes about the history of the Jewish people. Okay, There are things that are from other nations around Israel. One Chris and I were talking about is called the Moabite Stone. It's this stone that was discovered in where Moab is. And it talks all about this time in history when the Moab king was able to have some victory over the Israelites. And it verifies some stuff we find in the Bible. There's another one that was put up by one of the pharaohs. Uh, the pharaoh's name is Shishak. It sounds kind of funny, but Shishak. And he made a, a venture into Israel to try to conquer Israel. And he did conquer some towns and stuff. He never did conquer Jerusalem. And when he got back home, he put up this big monument and stuff. And it talks all about it. And you can read about it in the Bible. So you got these things that are outside the Bible that verified and confirmed the biblical record, all right? The Gospel of Luke in Acts, he talks about places, he talks about um, political leaders, and for a long time people say, well, Luke was not accurate because he calls the leader in this city uh, this particular title, and that wasn't what they were called in that city. As they did more archaeology, they found out, oh yeah, that is what they were called because they found an inscription that said within that city that kind of leader was called with that title, all right? Luke has been verified over and over and over and over and over with his geographical details and his political details and all that kind of stuff. The last thing, because we've got to wrap this up, I'm running late. E, just because something mentioned in the Bible has not yet been found does not mean that it does not exist. As I said, archaeology has just scratched the surface. There was a period of time where the only, time, only place you ever knew about David was from the Bible. And they said, well, David didn't really exist. He's just a Jewish hero they made up, superhero. Then they found inscriptions with David's name on it. Same thing was true for Pontius Pilate. Couldn't find any records of Pontius Pilate. Then they found some records of Pontius Pilate. One of the greatest nations in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the Hittites, could find no record of them out there outside the Bible, but then they did. All these things that people said, see, the Bible's not right, because it talks about these people, they didn't exist. And then they find out, oh, yeah, they did. They did. They were all doubted before evidence was found. So just because there's stuff in the Bible that archaeology hasn't found yet doesn't mean it didn't exist. There's still so much to learn and so much to discover. So anyway, all that to wrap up, just say that archaeology and history has verified the Bible over and over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, And in areas where they thought it was wrong, turned out that what they thought they knew was wrong. It wasn't the Bible. So anyway, we can have great confidence to trust what the Bible says, even in the areas um, that deal with the way this world is and the way God created it and the things that he says about the things that happened throughout history. All right, I've taken you way over today. Let's pray so you can go. Father, thank you for helping us get through this lesson tonight. Thank you for the great discussions we're having, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you have allowed human beings to discover and to find in the areas of science and archaeology and all that kind of stuff that verify that your word is true. Father, I pray that it would give us greater confidence in your word and in your authority. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. 
For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.